Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that doesn't understand why her mic is being weird. I don't know. It's just possessed by the devil. I'm Rewire News Group's editor at large, Imani Candy. And I'm Jess Pikla, Rewire News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to take a minute and get it together. It's okay. <laughs> And the Boom Lawyered podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So today we're exploring significant legal developments from Harrisburg that could have profound implications for abortion access. Harrisburg? As in Pennsylvania? Yeah. As in the birthplace of my mother, of my <laughs> grandmother, of gritty, of cheesesteaks, of angry Eagles fans booing Santa Claus and throwing water at each other. <laughs> the water is what does it. It's the water. Yeah, yeah. Throwing water at each other. <laughs> that's amazing. The one and the same, Amani. And that's because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which sits in Harrisburg, has issued a ruling overturning an important precedent that would have blocked abortion providers in the state from challenging Pennsylvania's ban on Medicaid coverage for abortions. The case is called Allegheny Repro Health Center versus DHS, and it revolves around the question of whether Medicaid must cover abortions in Pennsylvania. Now, there's a statute that bars Pennsylvania's Medicaid program from paying for abortions for low-income people. It basically follows the Hyde Amendment and, said that men- and says that Medicaid can only cover abortions in very limited circumstances like rape, incest, and if the life of the pregnant person is at risk. We'll refer to that statute as the coverage exclusion because coverage for medical care for pregnant people excludes coverage for abortion. And honestly, like... Can we just not stop with the coverage exclusion? Just ban yes. the damn procedure on it. You know what I mean? Like these exclusions are nonsense because all it means is that nobody ever gets an abortion, particularly if you're low income. And we know what happens when you force low income people to carry pregnancies to term that they don't want to. Absolutely. It forces them into poverty. People who aren't in poverty get sink, sunk into poverty. People who are already impoverished get sunk further into poverty. And there's really no one. No one wants to lend a helping hand because that's a government handout and those are bad. So this whole situation is frustrating to know it. It is. And if there's one clear lesson after Dobbs, it's that abortion exceptions are meaningless, right? Yes. So like Absolutely. we should have known that earlier. We definitely know it now. So the plaintiffs in this case are a group of providers and they are arguing that this violates, this coverage ban violates the Pennsylvania Constitution, which unlike the United States Constitution contains an equal rights amendment. Well, slap my ass and call me Susie. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. An equal rights amendment? Yes. Equality between the sexes? In this economy? In this economy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So what does this equal rights amendment say? It's actually pretty, pretty straightforward. It said, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania because of the sex of the individual. Okay. I mean, that seems real straightforward. It is. We're done. I'm going to skip right to the point right now, because when this news dropped on social media, the news about this case it seemed like a lot of folks were confused about what this ruling actually does. Yeah. The big question on everyone's mind is this. Did the Pennsylvania Supreme Court find a fundamental right to abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution? The answer to that question is no. No, it did not. 
Only two of the seven justices did, right? This mm-hmm. was a, a <laughs> this is a freaking ruling that had five opinions. 219 like, pages. 200 and and all of them important, right? Yes. Like sometimes you get a 200 page <laughs> ruling and you can skip like 30 pages where they're just recounting bullshit nobody cares about. Yes. Everything in this opinion was important. Yes. So only two out of the seven justices found a fundamental right to an abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution. Yeah. Judges Christine Donahue, who wrote the opinion, and, and, and my man, David Wett. <laughs> <laughs> you guys go all the way back. You go way back. You know, we see we see cheese states back back in the day. You know, that's not even a plurality. That's just two justices with an opinion, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. So let's get that clear. There, they did not find that there was a fundamental right to abortion, nor did the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania find that the medication abortion ban, which is the subject of the lawsuit, was on was unconstitutional. They didn't find that. Yeah. So, if the court didn't find a fundamental right to abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution and didn't overturn the medication the Medicaid ban, right? This mm-hmm. coverage exclusion, why is everyone so excited about this opinion? Like why are we even doing this podcast on it? Who cares? Because it's still a big fucking deal. And here's okay. why. I'm going to tell you. What All the right. court did was pave the way for abortion providers who are plaintiffs in the case to continue challenging the Medicaid ban as unconstitutional, and they did that by overruling a 1985 case that had previously foreclosed that kind of challenge. So let me unpack that a little bit and explain. In 1985, in a case called Fisher versus the Department Department of Welfare, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court held that a Medicaid coverage exclusion for abortion didn't violate the Equal Rights Amendment of the Pennsylvania Constitution. At the time, that makeup of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said that the coverage exclusion wasn't a distinction based on sex, but get this, rather, it was a distinction, Imani, based on abortion. I'm sorry, it was a distinction based on what? On abortion. Yeah. The court classified the exclusion as based on abortion and not on sex. But Jess, that literally makes no sense. Amani, come on. Of course it makes sense. It actually makes perfect, complete, and total sense. (laughs) I mean, don't you see? The Pennsylvania legislature wasn't trying to discriminate against women. They were trying to discriminate against abortion. And look, hey, I understand it just so happens that the only people who get abortions are women and, you know, too bad. And hey, obviously our listeners know that not only women get abortions, but this was 1985 and people were regressive then. So in that framework, the reality is it was a bad decision and it was poorly reasoned. And I'm not just saying that because it was a decision that I disagree with. Right. This wasn't one of those poorly reasoned reversals like Dobbs and Roe. Here, right. the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania painstakingly went through all the ways in which it had failed previously when it issued the Fisher ruling in 1985. It's not like Alito and Dobbs when he was like, no, fuck those bitches. We're done. <laughs> Which I mean, really, that's probably what that's probably what what his first draft of the Dobbs opinion said. Fuck those bitches. <laughs> and there was Neil Gorsuch to say, I concur. No, <laughs> yeah, within five. What was yes. it? Ten, ten minutes? minutes? Not even ten, ten minutes. minutes. Like, yeah, fuck those bitches. You right? No you notes. Right, no notes. Perfect opinion. No, no notes. No. <laughs> I'm still so mad about that. But it, this is it's like the the mirror opposite of what the court did in Dobbs here, the the decision we're talking about. Because in this case, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court 
pointed out that it had gotten it wrong, 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 wrong. Mm -hmm. Because even if somehow the coverage exclusion is facially neutral, right? It just doesn't discriminate against everybody. It runs afoul of the Pennsylvania Equal Rights Amendment because the ERA prohibits legislative regimes that appear to be neutral, but that are discriminatory in fact. Ooh, that's hot. I yeah, like that. I love that. That's good stuff. So in, re- in reading the ERA, the court also ruled that even if the coverage exclusion was facially neutral, it is entirely rooted in gender-based stereotypes regarding the primacy of childbearing and child-rearing for women, right? It's just regressive. Right. right. And they had previously ruled that sex-based qualifications are okay as long as they are based on unique characteristics that differ between the sexes. But that seems like it can be used to excuse all sorts of discrimination, right? Oh, yeah, it can. And it was. (laughs) It was. Yes, it was. The court had also previously ruled that treating women differently based on pregnancy or unique physical properties didn't constitute sex-based discrimination. But of course it does. I know, right? Like that, uh, Jessica, of course it does. That is asinine. I know. I know. (laughs) It was was the Reagan years. What are we doing? (laughs) I mean, okay, and, and furthermore, yeah, the fucking Reagan years, Jesus Christ. As providers in this case point out, there's no parallel coverage exclusion for men. Yeah, right, right. All reproductive health care services are covered for men, including all sex-based health care consultations and procedures. Right, mm-hmm. the only repro health care service, it service, ex- I just said cervix. I thought you did. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Slip a little cervix in there. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So the only repro health service excluded from coverage is abortion when the pregnancy is not life-threatening and not the result of incest or rape. That's what the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said. Yeah. They also said, and I quote, abortion is health care. Ooh, did they say motherfuckers? No, but it was implied. It was heavily implied. (laughs) It was like in a parenthetical. Exactly. There's an asterisk. And if you flip all the way to the end, like to page 220, tiny, like little 10 point font motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, OK, so if the ruling didn't overturn the Medicaid ban. Yeah. Right. And the ruling didn't find a fundamental right to abortion in the Pennsylvania state constitution. You're telling me that it's still a great ruling because it reinterprets the ERA in a way that lets providers move forward with their challenge. Exactly. Exactly. And frankly, Imani, I don't see how this band doesn't get tossed out. Yeah. Here is one of my favorite bits from the majority opinion. You said all 219 pages of this bad boy are important. Here's one great, great little bit. All right. The government does not bear a constitutional obligation to provide medical care to the indigent, nor is the government required to financially support the exercise of a fundamental right, including a woman's exercise of her right to reproductive autonomy. However, once the government chooses to provide medical care for the indigent, the government is obligated to maintain neutrality so as not to intrude upon the constitutional right to full reproductive autonomy, which includes the right to terminate a pregnancy. Mic drop. That's sexy. 
That's sexy. And, and, and just because I'm the one who wrote this script, and, and, and I just want to point out that that wasn't from the majority opinion. That was from that two-person opinion, right? Like yes. Like from Donahue and, and my man Wecht. So, but yeah, that is, that's sexy language. It is. And I mean, on, we talk about on this podcast all the time, the way we scaffold opinions to bigger and better policy goals. And that's what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court here is doing, is providing the scaffolding for advocates to go back and now get the ruling that the court should have, frankly, ruled in the 80s. Yeah. And, you know, the opinion is just the opinion is good for the abortion rights movement generally. Right. Like David Cohen, friend of the podcast, he writes amazing, just amazing law review articles that talk about, I mean, his last yeah. one. With, professor uh, at Drexel University. Professor Drexler's last one with Greer Donnelly was about like the, the medication abortion ruling and the ways yeah. in which it was going to affect like the law. Really great stuff. OK, great stuff. Smart guy. Good guy. Smart dude. He's one of the attorneys who was part of the litigation team for this case. Yeah. Right. And he put it this way that the case is a great building block to accomplish the goal of finding a fundamental right to abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution, right? So it didn't find that find that fundamental right, but it's a huge building block towards getting there. And that's really, 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 really critical, particularly in a state like Pennsylvania. Yeah. Also, when it comes to that, that two-person opinion, like there was a whole section called the right to reproductive autonomy. And that was the section that only two people signed on, yeah. signed on to. But- just the way that section of the opinion took into account perspectives from reproductive justice organizations, the way it called, for example, the evidence proffered about how this ban would hurt black women. Mm. Like they, they called that particular proffer of evidence, quote, well-sourced. And while they also recited sort of what the other side was saying, they did it in a rather dismissive manner as if to say yeah they're full of shit right basically <sighs> saying oh yeah and then the people counterclaim that black women are being targeted by big abortion and that because mutual they literally tried to argue that because mutual aid exists it means that indigent people are not having a problem accessing abortion i'm sorry what, yeah what yeah right because abortion funds exist obviously anybody on medicaid is just you know abortion every tuesday Right. I mean, it's just such bad faith. And what I loved about that little that, you know, that two uh -huh. justice opinion, they really went in on Dobbs, Ooh, really yeah. went in on Alito. Say more. They t I mean, <laughs> essentially, they described all of the ways that Alito got Pennsylvania's history with abortion wrong. Yeah. And that's a big deal because Alito's a Pennsylvania judge. Like he came up to power through the state of Pennsylvania and that circuit folks may not realize that. Yeah. Like he was on the third circuit, the third circuit. He wrote the, the majority opinion that Casey Planned Parenthood versus Casey overturned. Yeah. He, was, he was still so circuit. salty about that. And Dobbs, you could tell, you could absolutely tell. And so here comes a Pennsylvania Supreme court. Like, Hey guy, actually, <laughs> At common law, Pennsylvania allowed abortion up to quickening, and these cases that you have cited to in, to for the proposition that somehow Pennsylvania, uh, the history of abortion wasn't firmly rooted in the history and tradition of the Commonwealth. That's all crap, right? Specific, basically, like, hey, bitch, why are you lying? I just my brain is broken because I just had an image of Sweetie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> doing this monologue to Sam Alito in the bar. Could you imagine? <laughs> and so I just want to read this little bit. Oh, 
Article one is the ERA. Okay. Okay. Because our Article one rights are inherent, we are not constrained, as the Dobbs court believed it was, to determine whether abortion is deeply rooted in the history or traditions of the Commonwealth. And then they went on to say, but by the way, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Which was fantastic, right? I mean, essentially, Alito, quote unquote, misread these Pennsylvania cases in order to proffer like why do i keep using the fucking word proffer i don't know it's like the word of the day in order to promulgate there's another (laughs) pro word this idea that that pennsylvania had always thought that abortion was should be criminalized and that's just not the goddamn case so alito Uh, (laughs) that's amazing i was gonna say he he got the ultimate fuck around and find out by the pennsylvania supreme court there yes oh that feels good it feels good because so many times we're on this podcast talking about bad faith legal arguments that win the day in courts and it's just nice to be in a space where we're discussing the way things have worked because it was right. Mm -hmm. And look, there's so much with this case that we haven't even touched on that we haven't discussed. And we're going to have to come back to it because this issue is returning to the lower courts. And this is really a big deal. As Imani said, Pennsylvania is an important state for abortion access. And if advocates are successful in grounding a fundamental right to abortion in the state constitution, it's huge, not just for Pennsylvania, but for the whole, the whole area. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk more broadly about why this case is so important, too, because it demonstrates the importance of state courts in the abortion rights fight. Right. Like we've talked about that before. We know that they're important in Pennsylvania. Two of seven justices think there's a fundamental right to abortion in the Constitution. Perhaps that number will increase once this case makes it back to the Supreme Court, right? Abortion rights advocates have an opportunity to make their case in Pennsylvania, not just for the fundamental right to abortion, but for the right to Medicaid coverage, and it can be done. Why Mm. do I say that? Because we've seen it done before, right? Remember Kansas? Do I remember Kansas? Kansas. That that ruling, that order was sexy as fuck. I also think that that one came in at about 200 and some odd pages. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a couple hundred pages, but they cited John Locke and natural law. There's a God-given natural law right to abortion. Like, that's what the Kansas Supreme Court From Kansas, right? And Summer of Mercy, Kansas. Right, and I think that was like... God, that was like 20, 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a while ago. Almost 10 years. Holy Christ. Okay, that decision started a domino effect when it came to protecting abortion rights in the states and state constitutions particularly. So Pennsylvania, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also people who are Pennsylvania voters, Fuck yeah, right? Because guess what you get to do? You get to elect your judges. Yes. You get to elect your Supreme Court justices. And what does that mean? That means even though the United States Supreme Court justices have have one and all shit the bed, that means you can train, you can do something about abortion access in your state. You can do something about gender affirming care bans in your state. You can do something about, you know, DEI initiatives in your state. All you, vote. Just vote for the people that 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 believe in the things that you believe in when it comes to the rule of law. You talk about this in the newsletter, right, about how important state court elections are. And one of the things that I think somebody needs to do, there needs to be an organization somewhere. Like, I don't know if there's like going to be coffee clatches or something, but there needs to be a way for voters to figure out 
who these justices are and what they believe in, because that's one of the harder things to pick when you're going to vote is to pick justices because there's not been Democrats haven't been great on focusing on the courts. Yeah. Not on the federal courts, not on state courts. And that's something that individuals can change by demanding more information about who these people are and what they're going to do when your rights are in their hands. Yeah. So we have folks ask us all the time, you know, what can they do because federal judges are appointed? Well, that's not always the case in state courts and Pennsylvania in particular. Protect your state Supreme Court uh, makeup right now. Yeah. Good stuff coming there. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I get it. I love it. Well, that, was a, that was a positive podcast. It was. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us coming in all sunny and sunny and helpful, sunny and helpful and happy. And it wasn't feet. us. It was advocates in Pennsylvania making this job easy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And good on them, too. Yeah. Fantastic. It's a fantastic result. If you want to talk about. What's going on in Pennsylvania with abortion access? If you still have lingering questions about this opinion, it was long, it was involved, and it was interesting. And I read the whole damn thing. So if you want to ask me questions. <laughs> Someone talk to her about it. <laughs> Someone, please. I got, I got to talk to somebody. I spent so much time. Um, you can find me and Jess on X. She is Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. We're both on Blue Sky and Threads-ish sometimes. But Rewire News Group is on all of the things. Instagram, X, Blue Sky, Threads. Got got to give a shout out to Christian, our TikTok maven, guru. I don't know. But there's something. They really got it going on in all the right places when it comes to TikTok. I don't even know what that means. What am I talking about? We appreciate you, beige baby Jesus. And on that note, what are we going to do, Jess? We are going to see you on the tubes, folks. We'll see you on the tubes, folks.